Thank you for joining us today. This is Expository Insights with Pastor Lyle Wall. Today we conclude Chapter 6 in John's Gospel, where we encounter a common and serious problem, grumbling. We will learn about some symptoms and results of grumbling, as well as some of the cure. Today we are looking at grumbling as we come to the last part of John chapter 6. Moan, nag, whine, complain, grumble. We've heard it from others and ourselves. Some say, that's just the way it is. It's just what I think. We can't change it. Pick a subject, any subject, the weather, Work, school, prices, governments, traffic, taxes. There are vast, overflowing oceans of grumbling about all these subjects, about any and every subject. In a children's story, Otis and Ray go on their first camping trip. After they set up camp, Ray, who has a vivid imagination, started telling scary stories around the campfire. As she launched into the story of the grumbling Splunk, Otis suggested it was late and that they should go to bed. Later, Otis went out of the tent, found his flashlight, turned it on, and there in the light was a huge, tall creature, the grumbling Splunk. Both he and the creature were startled, let out screams, and ran away from each other as fast as they could. After running for a while, Otis ran back to the tent to save Ray. When he told her what happened, she led them on a search for the grumbling Splunk. When they spotted him, the grumbling Splunk took off, but ran into a tree. Ray treated his injury, and they became friends. The three of them made their way back to the campsite where Ray asked, Why do they call you the grumbling Splunk? He opened his mouth to answer, and out came a roaring grumble. Ray had an idea. They shared some of their peanut butter and banana sandwiches, and it worked. No more grumbling. Wouldn't it be nice if the real-life problem of grumbling could be cured that simply? Just a peanut butter and banana sandwich. But we know it's not that simple. We know this story is just that. A nice, make-believe story. Grumbling is not a make-believe story, and is not nice. It is all too real, and all too common. Just as there are different types of cancer, so there are different types of grumbling. Today we are looking at the key area of grumbling about God and His truth. You may say, what? We don't, at least I don't, grumble about God. Let's take a close look at this today. This disease of grumbling about God, His Word, His work, His servants, has a long tradition. The book of Exodus tells us about God delivering Israel from slavery in Egypt. After God led them to safety from the pursuing Egyptians, Moses and the people sang a praise song to God. 
they traveled out into the wilderness, finding no water for three days. When they finally found some, it was bitter. We read that the people grumbled at Moses, God's appointed leader. God moved, and the water became sweet or okay to drink. Then they moved out. Before long, the whole congregation grumbled against Moses and Aaron about not having the food they had back in Egypt. They grumbled against God and their leaders, even as God was miraculously providing for them. Fast forward. Much later, Israel's kings and people alike grumbled about God's word through his prophets. Here in John chapter 6, people are grumbling about Jesus. Verse 41. So then the Jews were complaining about Jesus because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. The word rendered complaining started with the idea of speaking quietly, then talking quietly about or against someone or something. A whisper of grumbling and rebelling. Grumbling against someone. That's the way this word is translated in Jesus' parable of the laborers in the vineyard who were talking against their master. They grumbled against the landlord. Some other English versions translate the word here in John as grumbling, which is more clear. They were grumbling about, against Jesus. Later, some people grumbled about the Apostle Paul preaching and teaching God's truth. Yes, grumbling about God, His Word, His work, His servants has a long tradition. Grumbling is a disease, but it also is a symptom of an even more serious disease, unhealthy faith. What's the cure for this dangerous disease? God shows us in these verses that we need to replace unhealthy faith with healthy faith to defeat grumbling. Earlier in chapter 6, Jesus taught the people, healed the sick, and multiplied a small lunch to feed thousands. Then he said that he is the bread of heaven, the source of eternal life. How did the people respond to this? Look at verse 41. So then the Jews were complaining, grumbling, about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And they were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? Let's look at two basic symptoms of the disease. The first cause of grumbling and symptom of an unhealthy faith we see here is the attitude, we have the answers. The people were saying, who does he think he is? Who does he think we are? We know him. We know his father and mother. What's this, I came down out of heaven stuff? We know the facts. We know better. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Yes, they had heard him teach like no one else. They had watched him perform miracles like no one else. They had listened to him claim to be God like no one else. 
but they were locked on to their own thinking. They did not have faith, and if some did, it was unhealthy. So they grumbled. The same thing continues to take place today. It's fine to ask questions. In fact, we need to ask questions, even the hard questions. It is the self-centered focus, the I don't see how that can be true, the that can't be true response to God's truth that is the problem. It really is saying to God, I know better. When non-believers have that attitude, it leaves them not only grumbling, but separated from God and in their sin. When believers have that attitude, it is sinful and strains their fellowship with God. But we don't grumble against God, do we? Or do we? The last time I complained about the weather, I grumbled against God because he tells us through Jeremiah, when God utters his voice, there is a roar of waters in the heavens, and he makes the clouds ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and he brings out the wind from his storehouses. Because Jesus tells us that God causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The last time we grumbled about our governments, we grumbled against God because he tells us to be subject to the governing authorities and to honor our rulers because the authorities over us have been established by God. The last time you grumbled about your job, your neighbor, another driver, you grumbled against God because he instructs us to do all things without grumbling and disputing. The last time you complained, where were you, God, when I needed you? You grumbled against God because he promises never to fail or forsake you, to never abandon you. Do I need to go on? Whenever we complain and grumble, ultimately we are grumbling against God and his truth. Our faith at that moment in that situation is unhealthy. We are living by sight rather than by faith. A second cause of grumbling and symptom of unhealthy faith is the attitude, it's too difficult to understand and accept what God says. Let's start with the big crowd. Jesus tells them, verse 51, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I will give for the life of the world also is my flesh. John tells us the people began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They struggled to understand what he was saying. They were not so dense that they thought Jesus was speaking literally of eating his flesh when he used the phrase, my flesh. Their response was much like Nicodemus when Jesus taught him about being born again. His first response was, how can a person be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? They, like Nicodemus, 
were throwing their hands up in the air and saying, it's beyond us. It's too difficult to understand. We can't accept this. This was not limited to the big crowd. Drop down to verse 60. So then many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This statement is very unpleasant. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, aware that his disciples were complaining about this, said to them, Is this offensive to you? Remember that Jesus had a fair number of disciples, not just the twelve he chose. Verses 66 and 67 reveal that the complaining involved that larger group. They had been following him, listening to him, but now he was saying things that were difficult to understand and accept. They began grumbling. Some concluded this is not what they had signed up for, and so turned away from following Jesus. Yes, there are things God tells us in the Bible that are difficult to understand and accept. Why God allows evil troubles believers and non-believers. It has been said that more people point to the problem of evil and suffering as their reason for not believing in God than any other. Then there is the question of why everyone by nature and action is spiritually dead in their sin and headed for God's just, everlasting punishment unless they come to Him through Jesus Christ. As well, why is it really important for every believer to be holy, to continue to grow in being like Christ? Then too, why is it the responsibility of every believer to be a witness for Christ? Healthy faith, growing faith, pushes to understand but does not give up, is not sidetracked with things we cannot understand. It focuses on believing, trusting, and following God, not on what we or people around us think might be correct, what we and they can fully understand. If you don't have this kind of positive faith, you will grumble and complain as the people in those verses did. Diseases have results. They damage our bodies. The disease of grumbling and unhealthy faith has some serious, toxic results. That includes discouragement and desertion. Go ahead to verse 66. As a result of this, many of his disciples left and would no longer walk with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to leave also, do you? They wanted Jesus to be their Messiah, to throw off Roman rule and be their king, to usher in peace and prosperity, to give an always upbeat, positive, pleasing message. But because they stumbled over the unexpected and difficult, because they stumbled in trust and faith, they not only grumbled, but they became discouraged and deserted Jesus. It was such a large number that Jesus now challenged his inner circle, the twelve disciples, on their loyalty. Some people checking out the Christian faith stumble at some of the things in the Bible that are hard to understand and accept. 
at distorted and false pictures of Christians, and also at true faults of believers. They complain, are discouraged, and then desert their exploration of the Christian faith. Christians with unhealthy faith who grumble and complain reap an unwanted harvest of discouragement and turn away from some of God's truth, values, hopes, and blessings. Grumbling brings discouragement and desertion. While we do not see it here in John chapter 6, we must take note of a second result. God's discipline of people who grumble about Him, His truth, His work, His leaders, and people. Of many examples in the Bible, let's turn to one in the book of Numbers, chapter 16. This chapter deals with the grumbling and rebellion led by a man named Korah. The people of Israel had escaped from Egypt, but balked at going into the good land God promised them because it was occupied by mighty people. So God sentenced them to forty years of wandering in the wilderness. Shortly after this, Korah and others became jealous and grumbled about God's chosen leaders, Moses and Aaron. They did not accept and trust God's truth for the structure of the leadership of their nation. They wanted the top positions and began a smear campaign against Moses and Aaron. Unhealthy faith led to grumbling, which in turn led to rebellion. God had Moses warn the people. For what happened next, let's pick it up at verse 28. Then Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these deeds, for it is not my doing. If these men die the death of all mankind, or if they suffer the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about an entirely new thing, and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them with everything that is theirs, and they descend alive into Sheol, that is, the place of the dead, then you will know that these men have been disrespectful to the Lord. And as he finished speaking all these words, the ground that was under them split open, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them, their households, and all the people who belonged to Korah with all their possessions. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. That was dramatic, drastic discipline. God's discipline flows from His holiness and also His love. He calls us to be holy as He is holy. In love, the Holy Spirit teaches, guides, corrects, and God also disciplines. The writer of Hebrews tells us, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are punished by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he punishes every son whom he accepts. Let's move from the disease to its cure moving from unhealthy 
to healthy faith. The starting place is to recognize that grumbling is sin. Listen to God telling us it is wrong, is sin. Here in chapter 6, verse 43 again, stop complaining, stop grumbling. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. James wrote, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Peter adds, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Grumbling is a big deal. God commands us not to grumble. You see, whoever and whatever we are grumbling about goes beyond that situation or person to grumbling, sinning against God who commands us not to grumble. The starting place of the cure is to realize that grumbling is sin. Add to this, Part of the cure is to accept that only God has the final answers. After many in the large group of disciples decided to call it quits, Jesus asked the twelve, verse 67, You do not want to leave also, do you? Peter stepped up and answered for the group, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter was still a long way from being the man of rock-solid faith, but he was not a fool. He had many questions, but he also had come to realize that only God has the final answers, that there was no other place, no other one in whom to place his trust. What truths of God are the most difficult for you to understand? What commands of God are the most difficult for you to accept and follow? I'm not suggesting you turn off your mind and take a leap into blind faith. More importantly, God does not want you to do that. I am telling you that we will never have final answers to some things of God because some are beyond us, and there are others which God has chosen not to reveal to us. Then there are other things we do not understand fully today, but may later. In any event, trust God and His truth. Keep moving forward in faith, accepting that only God has the final answers. This moves us to healthy faith, which both cures and prevents grumbling. Years ago, as we wrapped up our work with a group, they said some kind, nice things. The one that meant the most to me, and still does, was, above all else, we have learned to trust God's Word. They learned to trust God and His Word, even in difficult things and at times, in the things they could not understand. Yes, except that only God has the final answers. A third part of the cure is to build certainty based on your experience of faith in God. 
Move forward to verse 69. Peter says, We have already believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Notice the words, We have already believed and have come to know. They saw, heard, and believed. They answered Jesus' call to follow him, to tie themselves and their future to him based on little knowledge and experience. But they continued to see, hear, and to believe, to grow in trusting Jesus based on their experience of faith. The disciples were now certain Jesus was the Holy One of God based on their experience of faith in him. Others deserted Jesus while his inner circle kept on believing, kept on allowing God to build healthy faith through all their experiences. We too can and should build certainty on our experience, our life events of faith in God. This kind of faith defeats grumbling. Grumbling is hazardous to your health. God does not want it in any of his children in any way. He tells us, Do all things without grumbling or arguments, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. It is difficult. It requires decisive, ongoing action. There is a very old story about a tiger who was raised with a herd of goats. A goat's life was all he knew. He munched grass and butted heads with the others. From time to time, something inside him said, You don't belong to this kind of life. But he dismissed it. One day, a tiger came to their clearing, saw the goats, roared, ran in and got one for his supper. The goats fled, and the tiger raised with them ran too. For a brief moment, something vibrated inside, and he thought of running out with the tiger. But he fell back into living like a goat, which he did for the rest of his life. Jesus came to give us full, abundant life. In areas where you need to develop, to change, to stretch your faith. Recognize that the longer you live the life of a goat, the life of a grumbler, the harder it is to risk, to make the change. The good news is that the change in your heart, the growth in healthy faith, is accomplished by God's strength, not yours. Today, thank God that there is a cure for being sucked into and dominated by negative thinking and grumbling. Put yourself on a grumble watch. Ask God to keep you aware of rising waves of complaining and grumbling, and also to change your heart to live by healthy faith. Bow with me in prayer. God, our Father, thank you for the truth that we have seen through the people in this passage. We know that we too have grumbled at times. Forgive us. We don't want to be grumblers, but to defeat grumbling and move forward in being more like Jesus. 
Thank you for your work in convicting us of sin. Thank you for your promise to continue to work in us until we are in heaven with you. We pray in our Savior's name. Amen.